Welcome everybody to the PSB podcast. I'm Lim Dozier, your co-host. We're super excited to get started this week. We've got a really, really exciting panel of guests this week. As you guys know, it's the Junior NBA Her Time to Play month, and we want to make sure we honor some of the pioneers in women's basketball and just some of those women who just continue to put in the blood, sweat, and tears into the craft, pouring into the next generation, and everything involving that. So we've got three guests with us this week. I'm going to allow them to introduce themselves, starting with Miss Cassie. Tell me about yourself. I'm Coach Cassie Whitworth. Um, I'm a new head coach at Thompson Station Middle, and I am the girls manager for Pro Skills Basketball in Nashville. Excellent. Jasmine? I am Jasmine Gunn. I coach at Davidson Academy. Um, I'm here. And Natalie? My name's Natalie Busher, and I am the assistant girls basketball coach at Ravenwood and head JV coach. Excellent. So this group of women uh, is a group that loves to have fun on the court. They bring a lot of passion to the game. Uh, I can tell you this, I know a couple of them and they're definitely crazy uh, when it comes to on court screaming, doing some backflips. Coach Jazz is probably the hypest coach I've ever seen on the bench. Coach Jazz, tell me about where you're from, a little bit about your high school basketball experience uh, and just roll from there. So I'm Jasmine Gunn. Um, I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, I was homeschooled in middle school, but then I went to Antioch High School and finished out uh, my sophomore, junior, and senior year. Um, I loved it. Played for Mary Beth Coons White. Um, my senior year, we went to state. So I think we did some pretty awesome things there. Man, I didn't know you guys went to state senior year. Okay. Yeah, that's Wilson Central. <laughs> What group of uh, Wilson Central girls was that that you played against? Um, against Tierney Jenkins and Jasmine White, I believe. Oh, okay, so we're, we're right around that same era. Yeah. yeah. So right around 2008, 2009. Okay. I was graduating in 2007. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, Malik. Malik used to watch the girls' games and be like, man, I would get Debo by Wilson Central. I remember him calling me one day nervous. Uh, Natalie, tell me a little bit about your background. Where are you from? Tell me about your high school basketball experience. I'm from Lindon, Illinois, which is about 40 miles northwest of Chicago. Um, and I went to Mundelein High School and I played all four years starting on varsity. We weren't very good. Um, my senior year, we um, made it to the regional championship game and lost by a buzzer beater. Um, but yeah. That's ugly. Cassie, tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, so I originally from Northern Illinois, but moved down middle school to Lewisburg, Tennessee. Um, I played basketball at Forest Middle School and then um, took a little time off from school ball and went strictly AAU 
uh, with a game out of Franklin, Tennessee, and um, transferred my senior year just to play basketball and academics, you know, at Marshall County High School. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Got to get as much court time in as possible. Okay, so let's reel it back a little bit. All right, we went to high school, jump forward a little bit. Let's go back. Malik will take us forward in a second. Natalie, tell me about how you got your start in basketball. Do you have any memories being in the driveway, upward? You know, how did you get started in basketball? Um, I remember I – so I was super tall as a, like, little kid. I guess I'm still kind of tall. But, like, as a little kid, I was way taller than everybody else. And so in second grade, I played with the boys' third-grade park district league. Um obviously schooled all the little boys but that's um that's really just kind of how I got started I was a gymnast also and that just did not work out for me basketball definitely was it yeah I don't know if I've ever met any tall gymnasts before that was awful I, I don't know how that would have fared Jazz I think I might know a little bit about this story but tell me how you got started in basketball you know dad used to always go to the gym so <laughs> always in any men's league, he was there. So um, I remember just picking up the basketball and just holding it and just really holding it. And then, you know, we always used to stay at church. So uh, we had a little goal in the back and mom used to take us out, well, me out. And, um, you know, when we had breaks during that time, you know, go practice the underhand shooting because I was too little to shoot this way. So um, just, you know, my parents really. That makes sense. Cass, what about you? Uh, the typical um, second grader playing in junior pro in our little small town. Same thing as Natalie. Uh, I played for the fourth grade boys team as a second grader. And me being short, all I could do was shoot the ball, but it worked out. Hey, that's, that's the way to do it. Get him up. <laughs> I, I, Malik, I'll let you hit on it, man. But I, I know my, my – whoo, goodness. My first time playing basketball, I was terrible. I probably should have been the opposite fourth grade playing in the second grade league because I mean I, <laughs> I was scared of the ball I mean it, it was a rough little time it was a rough time to about seventh eighth grade I can't lie to you man I you know having people like jazz and, and people growing up around the church who really played ball that were a little bit older than me I was getting torched and they were letting me know about it so I mean that letting you know okay hey, okay relax <laughs> we're not, it's a family-friendly podcast I'm not doing this today all right, Malik, I'll let you go, man. What, how did you first start? Yeah, man, so my brother's five years older than me. So similar to what you're saying, just being around him and his friends and them beating me up and, and talking mess behind it was kind of one of those things was like, I got to get better. So I went out in the driveway and just started working as much as I could so that I could play with them as much as, much as I could. That makes sense, man. That makes sense. Malik, let's jump ahead a little bit. Yeah, let's do that. So, uh, Cassie, who did you play with in travel ball? Uh, I played with A-game, which, I mean, A-game is a location, but that's where we were, like, A-game Tennessee. They were around. I was with them 7th grade to 11th grade, and I stuck with them all the way through. Um, I'd be a sub every once in a while with some other programs whenever my group wasn't playing, but we played a lot. Yeah, what was that experience like for you? Um, starting off, I'll be honest, it was a little rough. Um, got to about eighth, ninth grade, and we started to mesh together a little bit more. Uh, we had the same, like, core 
group of like nine or 10. We, we kept 12. We had the same group of about nine or 10 almost all the way through. So by the time we were juniors, we were pretty solid because we knew the ins and outs of our everyday lives. So it was, it was fun. Um, like I said, we went through a lot of adversity, but it was, it was good for all of us. And I think all 12 girls ended up going on a full ride scholarship to play basketball. That's awesome. That's the goal. It was of course, incredible. Yeah. Jazz, tell me a little bit about your experience. Uh, my experience wasn't that great. Um, coming from, coming from, you know, playing, I was in middle school as a seventh grader, I was playing varsity basketball. So when I got to AU, I played for Tennessee Team Pride. So that was like one of the highest uh, Tennessee programs, but I rode the bench most of the time. Uh, I like to say I was like a 30-30 player, play when we was up 30 or down 30. Uh, <laughs> not because I wasn't good, but because I was so little. So they was like, uh, we'll pass. So um, because of where my birthday fell, I was able to play with the younger team or the older team. So most of the time I just played with them. But, I mean, um, that program taught me uh, how to win. You know, being part of a winning program, you know, that's, that's instilled with me till this day. That's awesome. I know a lot about that prior program just from some of the girls that I grew up with. Who were some of your uh, who were some of your teammates? Because you came through now knowing kind of what year you graduated. I know you played with some dogs in their organization. So who were who were some of your teammates or some of the girls who were who were coming through at that same time? Um, Oakland uh, girls, uh, Tara Davis, Kiara McClary. Uh, I played with um, Upperman girls, all of the Upperman uh, girls. They were dominant. So uh, I, those, those groups right there, Oakland and Upperman, they were, I mean, some, some players. So uh, that's who I played with. Cool, cool. That's dope. Natalie, what about you? Did you play in the AAU? Who did you play with and kind of what was your experience like? Uh, yeah, I started off playing with a team or a program called Kessel Heat, um, which is right out of Libertyville, Illinois. Um, and we – kind of kept like our school like we had a bunch of school girls who played like feeder um and then we played on this AU team together also um most of us stick together until maybe freshman or sophomore year of high school and then I switched to a program called Illinois Elite which um I was kind of recruited by some other girls from our conference to go and play with this team um and yeah I mean we were we were pretty good when we all kind of stuck together from high school. Um, we all were really good. We had a volunteer assistant coach who coached us in our AU um, games. And so we all like got along. <clears throat> we always played up in tournaments, that sort of stuff. Um, it was, that was like what I loved most about basketball was AU definitely. Cool. And I kind of want to stay right there for a second. It's a topic that's not on there, which just what the flow is going. What would you say is the biggest difference now coaching and watching AAU and travel ball versus when you were playing? Do you see any differences? Kind of like, what do you, what do you think of the major differences there? Natalie, I'll start with you. Um, I think it's a lot more competitive now than it used to be, or like when I played. Um, I think like a lot of girls who are in it now um, are there – like to get better, like what I think when I played, I like that's kind of why we usually played up was we played a lot of teams who like were just there to like just kind of play for fun, not really to get better. Um, 
and I feel like nowadays it's more like to improve your game to keep playing um and that's at least how the girls like I've been coaching have kind of been cool cool Cassie kind of same question what are, what are the similarities what are the differences that you see when you were playing versus versus now so I'm gonna disagree with Natalie on this one um competition level whenever I was playing was crazy um I graduated in 2016 with the same same group as like Crystal Dangerfield, um, Alexa Middleton, some girls coming out of Oakland, Blackman, Rutherford County. Um, I don't know. This is a family friendly podcast. I don't know if I'm allowed to say the word soft, but um, <laughs> that's how that's how I would uh, explain it. Like best, honestly, is that the girls are just different. Um, it's a different game, I think. Yeah, well, I think it's it's so dope having both y'all on because those are two of my favorite eras of girls basketball in the Middle Tennessee State, uh, Middle Tennessee area is when you played and when Jazz played. Like there were two or three Division One girls on every good Middle Tennessee team at that point. It seemed like um, so. I mean, I I get your answer there for sure because I mean you came through just the names you named alone right there. And Riverdale was a nationally ranked team. So was Black Men. Oakland was nationally ranked. So, I mean, that's just a, that's a great era. Jazz, what, what do you think about travel ball then versus now? Um, definitely soft. Um, <laughs> they're, they're just more finesse. So they don't really like to – the competitiveness of it is, is not there like it used to be. You know, we were all about winning. Now I feel it's more of a social media buddy-buddy thing. Um, mm -hmm. I think in some aspects they do want to get better, but um, yeah, they just—they're a different group. They're a different group for sure. Yeah, it's it's definitely a different time. I mean, I think you see that from the top down. NBA guys dapping each other before the games, things like that. They've gone out to dinner, maybe they stayed at their house. All those stories that you hear, and it's just like it wasn't friendly with us. Like it just wasn't friendly. Like we can be cool. Afterwards, if I win, right, right, exactly, exactly. Well, uh, Lim, I'll let you move ahead in the, in the conversation here. Yeah, so so let's push ahead to college. Uh, I, I know this was an exciting time for everybody. I believe all three of you played at different levels, which is going to be great just to kind of show, you know, exactly, you know, you can have fun and develop at any level of basketball. That's both on the boys and girls side, but. Uh, Jazz, we'll start with you. Tell me about your college career uh, and then give me the most impactful thing that you learned during your college time. Um, I played for Tuscaloosa College, uh, now university, uh, at the D2 level. Um, I went there because I have a twin brother. So um, the coach was like, hey, you know, we'll take your brother too if you come play with us. So um, I definitely took that opportunity. Um, I enjoyed it there, really. I had two different coaches. Uh, so for my first two years, I had Missy Tiber, who is now at University of Alabama. Uh, yeah, University of Alabama. Um, and then I had Adele Harris, who is now at Vanderbilt, helping out the men's team. Um, so it was, it was really different. It's two different styles. Um, my first coach was all about offense, you know, scoring high. So, you know, my first two years, we had to score 100 in order to win. So that was our goal. And then uh, my second coach, her, you know, she was more about defense, holding them under 60 points. Um, so it was, it was, it was definitely different. Uh, I know my last two years I was challenged a lot. Um, 
just because, you know, I was the main player, you know, um, it, it, it was definitely a great experience. Uh, my last two years, I became, I mean, it was, I had so many honors. I, sometimes I, I just sit back and just look like, wow, like this is what you did. And it really wasn't all about me. It was all about, you know, playing with your family. Like, you know, I think so many people miss that concept of just, you know, they're your friends, but they're also your family. And you go to battle with your family every day. And I think that was the best experience ever. I like that. I like that. And you're not going to do it, obviously, so I'm going to do it. You're definitely talking to a three-time All-American as well. So I, I, let's, let's not skip past that. Let's not skip past that at all. Like, that's something like, you know, if, if Malik would have been guarding me, oh, my God, I've probably been a four-time All-American. Anyway, we'll, we'll go to Cassie. Uh, Cassie, tell me about your college experience. So, uh, like Jasmine, I had um, two different coaches my freshman and sophomore year. Um, I had a coach that was a run and gun. I mean, he was tough. He was not soft. Um, he scared me, actually. Um, and then my junior, senior year, we had a guy come in that just totally different. I mean, it was a complete 180. Um, but like her, too, my, it, was, it was weird because freshman and sophomore year, we were really good. Um, again, it was kind of rough at the beginning, but um, we were really good, and we didn't get along. Like, our team was – we didn't talk. It was like you only talked whenever you were on the court. And then our junior, senior year, we were all really close and we were best friends and we were awful. Uh, so bad. The new coach came in. I think we only won um, six games our junior year and eight games our senior year. Uh, so talk, talk about it rough. I mean, it was, it was hard. It was tough pill to swallow. But, I mean, it was a good takeaway for me because I started coaching um, my, my sophomore year at college. So, like, being a coach in college was awesome for me because I was, like, I, I immediately called my college coach and I was, like, man, I'm so sorry for ever, like, not listening to you. Like, once those, once those girls weren't listening to me, I was, like, this is, this is awful. I'm so sorry. But I think, like, the best takeaway was just, like, being able to transition from, like, playing to coaching back to playing. Um, that was, like, the, the best takeaway, I think. Excellent. And, and tell me just briefly, uh, where did you play and what level? Uh, I played at Cumberland University, uh, NAIA Division One. Awesome. Perfect. Natalie, we'll finish up with you. Uh, I played at Webster University in St. Louis. It's a D3 school. Um, I had the same coach all the years I was there. Um, we didn't start off very good. My junior year, we won conference, uh, made it to the tournament, and got completely destroyed but we won conference so that was good um and yeah I think one of like the biggest like challenges or like I looked at it in like a positive challenge way was like just being pushed you get pushed so much harder um in college than you did in high school like most everyone who's on your team is good they're gonna make you better your coach is gonna make you better um or in high school I don't really feel like you can find that as much um so I think that was something like I appreciated, you know, I went in with the mindset of like, if I want to start or if I want to beat out that person for their position, like I'm going to have to work hard at all three of these workouts today. Um, so that definitely was a good challenge. I like that. Malik? Yeah, no, I mean, I, th I think that's great. And, and also, you know, just kind of being able to go back to what Jazz said earlier, I think that's something that all of us as athletes, like you never know, I guess, that your last time lacing them up when it really counts is your last time. 
you know, it's very few people who kind of get to go out on their own terms and, and having those relationships and the camaraderie and like the locker room, you got to play college on the bus, road trips, things like that. Those are the things that me and my teammates always talk about. The court stuff is always last. Like, you know, we, we had some fun and did some stuff out there, but it's always, and in particular for me, my first two years were junior college. So I was in Columbia, Tennessee. Cassie, you're familiar with the area. It's nothing to do out there. So like literally it was us all the time and, you know, around each other. It's like all that stuff that you get to do off the court that you just miss and you think about all the time. So I think that that's the, you know, that was kind of my biggest takeaway was like, I, I, that was really cool as you said that because you don't think about that. I don't really think about it in those, in those terms until somebody says it out loud because it's, it's rarely the basketball that we're talking about. Right. Hey, yeah. Yeah. So, Go ahead. So, uh, so I'll ask you guys this, uh, and then Malik, you can take the next one. Okay. What got you guys into training and coaching in general? Uh, I know that it's a field that uh, it's definitely not for the week. There can be a lot of long days in the gym, a lot of long hours. You definitely got to be dedicated to your craft to do it. Uh, but I want you guys to kind of talk about it. And, you know, as you're talking, you know, really think about, to me, there's not enough women trainers out there. There's not enough women coaches out there, even in the AAU world. Uh, but in my experience, they've been some of the best coaches, even if it's girls coaching guys, whatever it may be, they've been some of the, the best coaches that I've had. So, you know, Natalie, I'll start off with you. What got you into training and or coaching? Um, I just kind of like, I would had to do some volunteer hours for grad school. And so I just kind of found a program. I started volunteering there. Um, never really thought I would get into like coaching as much as I have now, but, um, they had asked me to coach, oh, you'd be such a good coach. Like, would you want to coach one of our fifth grade girls teams? And I'm like, mm, I don't know. Like, I don't really know if that's something that like I want to do. Well, anyways, I ended up doing it and I loved it. I really love just kind of like giving back and being that role model that like I had in AAU and I didn't sometimes get through like high school um and just like seeing them transfer so I've been kind of with the same group since for like a year and a half now um and just kind of seeing them transform from where they started to where they are now is just like it's just like it's just such a good feeling um it's definitely like a hobby of mine and so that's something that like I like I look at it as a hobby and not just like a coaching job or like oh my gosh I have to go here um because I feel like that's how I can be the best for those girls that makes sense it's, it's definitely never work uh you yeah. know if you really care about it Jazz what about you Never want to be a coach. <laughs> Goodness gracious. I'll put that on record. I never want to be a coach. I love basketball too much. So for me, I have to depend on players to win. Like I can <laughs> like I can I can teach you the concepts, but to teach competitiveness competitiveness is hard. And I'm learning that now, like as I get older. Um I always wanted to play my whole life. I was like, I'm not coaching, like college. Uh, coaches I used to play against in college they was like hey you know you'll be a really great coach you're a point guard you know the floor you see the floor hey I don't want to hear that I don't want to be a coach and that we're just gonna leave it at that but um as I got older so uh after my junior year well going into my junior year of well after my junior year of college um my god brother kind of hooked me up with a um a summer program he was like hey you get paid to train girls, 
you know, I know you're going to be looking for a job anyways, and you love staying in the gym, so how about you, you know, just try this out? So that's when I met Shabika Newsom and fell in love with it. I just, I love, you know, what Nat, uh, Natalie said, you know, just giving back to the players. You know, um, sometimes they don't get that player-to-player uh, interaction, especially in, on the women's side. So just giving back and, and being real with them about, you know, hey, this is going to be your journey. I'm going to always be here for you. But just know your journey is going to be kind of tough. But um, let's work through it. And, you know, that's when I really just fell in love with it. And that's that's how it is for a lot of people, I think, man. You you really have no intentions of coaching. Uh, you know, I, there's very few people that say, hey, I, I wanted to be a coach when I was a player. You know, I, was, I couldn't wait. But, you know, when you get around the kids, the girls, the boys, uh, it's just like, man, they become family instantly almost. You know, I feel like it, I leave tryouts, man, and I got 10 sons already. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe not sons. <laughs> well, maybe I can claim them on my taxes. <laughs> it's all good. Anyways, Cass, I'll, I'll go to you, Cass. All right. I'm going to piggyback off Jasmine again. Um, I never wanted to coach. I like parents used to say all the time, like I'd be in high school, like, oh, you're going to be a coach someday. And I was like, they don't get paid enough. I'm never doing that, you know. And um, sophomore year of college, my advisor, he was like, Cass, that's where you need to be. That's what you need to be doing. And he got me a like an assistant position at Watertown Middle School in Wilson County. And they were it was it was a different different crowd for me uh, coming from Marshall County, going to Wilson County. But um, I accepted like a college helper position because I was a college. I was a full time student athlete. I was there was no way I was going to be able to be there five days a week. And sure enough, by the end of the season, I was the head coach and um, it was awesome. And I loved it. Like from then on, I started coaching travel right after that, that season, um, I guess, which was 2017, 2018. And um, I started coaching travel ball and from travel ball, I I had 47 athletes that I was training a week. Um, Some of them twice a week. I was seeing girls all day, every day. I would, and then, it was just, it just became part of my life. And I was like, I'm huge on relationships. And my kids are like, my friends don't want to be my friends anymore because I don't want to hang out with them. I want to hang out with my kids. Um, talk about, talk about having children. Um, all the parents are always like, you, I know you don't want kids, but I mean, you do, you, you do all the responsibilities already. So you might as well. And I'm like, no, your kid is my kid. Um, but I, I love my kids. And that's, that's the main reason actually, like other than just the game itself. Um, I was never super athletic, so I had to always have the best basketball IQ. So I just went, and I was like, I guess I could turn that into coaching. So, and now I love it. I mean, I I think about basketball twenty four seven, and I talk to my kids. There's at least three or four kids that call me every day just to talk, and I think that's awesome just to have that relationship and parents and going out to eat and doing the simple things. And that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that that's something that, uh, you know, can't be overlooked. The fact that, you know, they just become family so quick, as I mentioned. I mean, even just yesterday, I called an athlete. He was in fourth block. Principal, don't get mad at me if you hear this. Uh, And he was like, yo, yeah, I can't can't play today. I haven't got my release form from the doctor yet for me to be able to play. He had just uh, unfortunately had COVID a few weeks before. And I'm like, you know, what, what do you mean you can't get the release? I can't get there. I can't leave school. So what did I do? I drove my butt to the doctor to get the note and take it up to the school. Like, what, what am I doing? You know, 10 years ago, I would never think I'd be doing something like that, you know, as, as if that's my, they're my own. But 
you know, that's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. And, and you know, com- kudos to you guys for being leaders uh, on the women's side and just continuing to pour your time and your effort into them. Because like I said, there's, there's a need uh, for strong women to join forces with you guys, women like you, to continue to pour into the female athletes. Now, Malik, I'll let you jump in. Absolutely. Uh, just kind of closing that, that one off before we move on to another one. I, I think it was so great to hear all of you talk about mentorship and relationships uh, versus anything X and O related. Uh, because I, I'm a firm believer uh, as a coach that if a kid knows or individual knows that you believe in them, they'll do that much more for you. Uh, and I think at the end of the day, a lot of those intangibles that you can, we talk about being able to transfer our energy, competitiveness, any, all of those qualities that we have, I think if those kids believe in you uh, and you have that relationship, that's a lot easier to get out of them. So it was uh, you know, definitely super cool to hear you all talk about relationships because that's the kind of coaching that, um, that I think is truly effective. I think you can, you know, if you're a person that's just, you know, I'm in the lab all day and I draw up stuff and I got the best stuff, you can win some games. But I think you win a lot more and your relationships go a lot longer with your players if you have, you know, if they really believe in you. So um, kind of jumping into our next one, I wanted to talk about, um, I guess, maybe some, some more hotter um, topics. We might have some, some people with some, some big opinions on these. I do myself. But the, uh, the WNBA wage gap, uh, the wage gap from the WNBA um, versus the NBA. Uh, Jasmine, I'll start with you, but what, what are your thoughts on the wage gap there, uh, what they do, all they bring to the table, and, and just their, their contract structure and what they have to do to really make ends meet? And real quick, Jazz, before you go, I do want to just put the numbers out there. Yeah. Uh, the average NBA player a year makes $75,000. The NBA rookie on average, not just any player, a rookie on average makes $820,000. Huge difference. I mean, we're, we're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. So, Jazz, I'll let you hop in. I just want the viewers to, to hear the numbers behind that. Um, I, think, I think that's tough. I think I don't, understand, I don't personally understand why there's such a huge gap if we're doing the same thing. Now, I think, me personally, women, it should be a little bit more than the guys just because our bodies go through a lot more. Y'all can't handle what we go through, but um, I think I I think we are getting better with realizing that that wage gap, um, especially with this year. Um, and I think the bubble that whole the whole COVID situation has really um, it it's been a bad situation, but it's also been a, a good situation in a sense because it makes you take time to realize like it stops everything and lets you see like what's really going on in the world and you know, where we are in uh, sports as far as women and men. Um, uh, for us to be able to see women games right after the men's game or before the men's game in the bubble was huge. I think that was very um, well worked out. Uh, I think that will help with the viewings because I know the viewings have um, an impact on it. I actually um, tried out for the LA Sparks after my senior year uh, of college, but unfortunately, um, because of that wage situation, um, they were releasing players. They weren't going to have, you know, they were going to, during that time, they were only going to have eight players Man. on a team. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's really unheard of, but, you know, you know, I think we're, we're, we're working towards it for sure. Yeah. Natalie, what, what are your thoughts on the wage gap? 
Um, I mean, I definitely agree with everything that Jazz said. Um, it's when you look across the board at like all sports, it's not like surprising. It's disappointing, I think, more than it is surprising, just that like it is that way. But um, it's definitely coming along. It's definitely a lot better than it used to be. Um, I know they look at like viewing a lot and that's like one of their like big reasons for the big difference in between, um, which I think is kind of a bummer. Um, but like she said, the bubble stuff really helped. Um, so I think just slowly got to keep working towards it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cassie, what, what were your thoughts? So this is one of my favorite topics ever. Um, of course, wrote one of my final papers in college over this, but um, throwing it back to 2014, my sophomore year of, of high school, I remember watching Lindsay Whalen. Um, she's shooter. Like, I, I just loved her, just her work ethic. Like, she shot. And I just – I feel like I related to her more than anything. Like, you got Maya Moores out there. You got Candace Parker. You got the Guma Kays. And I'm like, I, lo I love Lindsay Whalen. Like, she, she works hard, whatever. Um, I remember looking at how much money she was going to make in the league, like by the time she got to the end of her career, just, just to see, I just wanted to see it. And it said that the, a rookie in the NBA made 150% more than the best player in the WNBA, like your MVP of the WNBA. And I was disgusted by that. I like kept doing research. I was like, how does that make any sense? Like, that's not fair, whatever. And I mean, I get it. Guys are more athletic. Everyone likes the dunk show. No one wants a fundamental exhibition. But I like I agree with Jasmine. I mean, our our bodies go through a lot more. Um, we play fundamental basketball. It's a lot different. But I don't know. It's just it is it's sick actually. Like to see and to see like other sports too, like soccer when they had that lawsuit for uh, USA soccer. Like they, it's how long did it take them? I mean, WNBA. This is their twenty first year and they never even got on the TV until we went through a pandemic. I mean, it was like you, you had to pay $60 a game to watch WNBA. And for me, like, I'm a big college, like, women's college basketball. Like, I didn't really care who's the best team in WNBA. I just like a bunch of players. So I wanted to watch, and my parents were always like, we're not paying $60 a game for you to watch it on TV when you can pay $8 a game to go to Atlanta and watch the Atlanta Dream. I mean, it was – and be there in person. And it's just – it's ridiculous. And I, like – I mean, it's interesting, like, uh, there's like 8,000, they were averaging like 8,000 viewers, uh, almost like the, it was like the whole season of WNBA, like the first cut, like the first 15 years or something crazy. And then, uh, whenever COVID hit and they were in the, the wobble, they had that thing on Twitter and like the, the WNBA app that was like tap in to like show your support. They had like 8 million tap ins, just like watch. It was like Seattle storm, like it's just crazy that it, like that's all it took and to think that the WNBA is a sister organization to the NBA and you're not helping them out anymore it's 21 years and it took y'all that long to get that many viewers it's just it's it's outrageous to me yeah uh and right in that same vein i think that a reason uh that a lot of those viewers that maybe had the attention on them was the the social justice initiatives that they took uh the stance that they took and, and being leaders in the forefront of what everything was going on. We all know we're in a, a turbulent time in our country. Um, and I think a lot of things are, it's like Jazz said a minute ago, it's like Lim and I reflect all the time. And I think the world having to stop really opened a lot of people's eyes to things that they were able to just go through their normal everyday life and kind of just go to work, 
be in their small groups and, and not have to see, you know, not have to be in front of the TV for eight or 10 hours at a time, not listen to the radio, things of that nature. But we had to do that. And then the WNBA doubled down and we're like, we're not going for this. Like, we're not doing it. And we're really leaders. So, Cassie, we'll stay with you since you were just there. What were your thoughts on, on them just being the leaders from all sport perspective um, and, and speaking up for social injustice and, and really taking a stance there? So I think uh, what I remember most about, like, the, I mean, not that it's not always been a problem, but starting now, whenever it started getting rough uh, with protests, whatever, just the simple fact of wearing a shirt, like, how easy was that for them to do? Just to wear a shirt. Um, they had a, they had like a whole presentation over different people that had lost their lives, whatever it was. And just, I mean, I think even there was, uh, I think it was the Minnesota Timberwolves or um, maybe even the LA Spark that if you, if you like had proof that you voted, you got a free, like a free admission into, it was like a, a drawing for a, a WNBA hoodie. And who didn't want one of those orange WNBA hoodies, right? Like super, it's super easy, like all the easy things to do. Um, and it's an, it's an easy idea and why not do it? I think it was awesome. Like just to see, like for me, obviously, like I don't look up to those players as much, but like as like a little girl, I looked up to them because I was like, oh, you're in the league. You're a girl and you're in the league. And like, this is what I'm working for. Um, even though I know you don't get paid a lot, but they have a platform. They can, they can do that. And for teams to do it, just to make to do the easy thing, to make everyone wake up and make decisions and do the right thing, I think, I think it was really cool. Yeah, Jazz, what what were your thoughts on it? I, uh, like Cassie, I don't understand why it took so long for. It's a partnership, you know. So I don't understand what took so long with that aspect um, of just even the guys wearing, you know, the orange hoodies and just showing respect now. Like, why now? It shouldn't have been a stop, a hold on, hold on what, you know, we're used to doing for you to realize, look, yeah, this is, this ain't it. But I th I still think it's stuff like little small stuff that we can keep doing in order for us to really, um, for there to be such a gain in, in, in that wage gap for us to kind of close that, you know, with the means. Like, I mean, I just think there's more they can do. Um, I'm definitely not happy with it. I'm, you know, grateful for what they're doing, the little small things they're doing, but I think we still, we still can do some more things. You know, we just, it just has to keep, you know, being a push for sure. Hey, can I, can I uh, piggyback off that too, before you jump to Natalie? Um, Draymond Green, it was three years ago that he made the comment, he would rather watch WNBA players just because of how fundamental they were. I think this was around the same time that Brianna Stewart said that she was better than Tim Duncan, which we all knew wasn't the truth. But um, it was around uh, that it, time. It could be argued. It could be argued. It could be argued. We're talking scale to scale, like men's game, women's game, her impact, his impact. I think you could definitely, right. you know, we won't go, go off on that tangent, but I can argue. Right. <laughs> so uh, it was like around that time that Draymond said, he was like, before he kept getting in trouble for running his mouth, uh, he said that he'd rather watch WNBA players just because they were more fundamental and it was a better game of basketball. Like it, they weren't scoring 120 points a game. They were scoring 60 points a game because they were playing defense, like some like simple things like that. And uh, when he made that comment and someone like screenshot it, whatever, put it on Instagram, he gained 700,000 followers because of it. Wow. 
it's crazy. That's just crazy to me. I don't like, why is it taking so long? I don't know. But the fact that it's happening is great. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Natalie, uh, kind of your thoughts on the, the last topic, the uh, social injustice, them being leaders there. Uh, and any other comments that you had too on the wage gap? I, I like this open conversation. I like the conversation. Um, I mean, I agree with all you guys. I think that we should not be like satisfied with what they have done because I think there is still a lot of room to like continue to grow and there's a lot of little things that they can keep on doing and promoting. Um, so as long as we keep taking those little steps, I think that um, there could be like a lot of progress. I also think that um, it's not super surprising that the WNBA like led the way with all of this because I just feel like women typically speak out more than men do. Um, so I think that like is pretty awesome also. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, um, having two daughters and having two daughters in the time that we're in now is super dope to me. Um, you know, just the, the opportunities that women have to be in leadership and not that they haven't always been in leadership because any man is worth his weight in anything will tell you that his counterpart, uh, whether male or female in that case, but since we're talking about female, if it's female, is, is typically leading the ship. You know, I can say that from my house uh, for sure. You know, I, I can say that maybe I'm in the forefront of some things, but you know, my wife is there and, and there's been a lot of things that I've matured in and, and grown up as a person just from having, you know, a strong woman beside me. So, so no doubt, definitely agree with you there. I think that women have always been at the forefront. It's just now that they can be the face card and, and really have that, really have that face. Yeah, definitely. And you know, what's crazy from the basketball perspective, you know, when, when I get film from coaches, you know, college coaches, I, I don't know why this is a recruiting tactic now that I think about it, but college coaches, when they're trying to get one of my players, they start sending me film and breakdowns of kind of what they're looking for. And it's always of a women's basketball game every single time. It's not from their personal school. It normally is, is women's college basketball or WNBA. Uh, and, you know, a, a lot of it does point to the fundamentals of it. But, you know, if you're, if you're a basketball purist, you do recognize that the game of basketball is played better by women. Men try to take a ton of shortcuts, rely on athleticism, and don't focus on the game. So it's, it's really cool to kind of see that, too. And I, I hadn't really thought about it until you guys started talking. But every time I kind of click through those film sessions that they send me, you know, 75 80% of that is all women's clips. So that, that's really dope. That's really dope. You know, so I'm, you know, as the game keeps evolving uh, when it comes to women's basketball, I think that there's some steps that can be taken forward uh, by girls all over just to get more involved with the game. Uh, I know that, you know, based on kind of our age group, we're all around the same age on the podcast. Uh, you know, we were outside playing more. You know, we were just doing a lot more things when it comes to activities in general. So, you know, I'll put you guys on the spot. What would you guys tell young women out there when it comes to moving forward, pushing the game forward in general, and just getting involved? What would you tell them uh, about your experience and why you enjoyed it and why you think it would be beneficial for them to get out there? So Cassie, I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, you know, what would you tell a young girl out there who's maybe not as active as she wants to be, maybe a little bit nervous, uh, or just somebody who doesn't want to be involved? What would you say to them to help them get involved specifically in the game of basketball? Well, just like you said, be involved. Just get your, just put yourself out there. Um, I preach to my kids 
all the time about confidence. And I think that's something that females lack automatically, but definitely on the court. Um, and it's hard to watch because personally I'm confident. So like to watch my kids struggle with confidence is really hard for me. So that would be my, my biggest piece of advice is like attitude and effort or something that you can't coach that, you know, like be the person out there. Like, even if you're not scoring 20, 25 points a game, be the person that dives for a 50, 50 ball or be the person that sprints to pick your teammate up after they take a charge, be that person, because that's what a coach wants. You know, like if, if I ask you to run through a brick wall, are you going to do it? Or are you just going to look at me? Um, just confidence and just put yourself out there. There's, there's, I mean, what are you going to do? Um, be told no, it just makes you work a little bit harder. Heck yeah. Natalie, we'll go to you. Um, I just think like whatever you're going to do or whatever you want to achieve, do it at like a hundred percent put 100% effort into it. Um, even if you're nervous for your first whatever it is for basketball, take that first step. And as long as you take that full step with first step with full effort and like full motivation and coachability, then like there's really nothing that can stop you. I like it. Jazz, close us out. Uh, be confident in your why, on why you're doing it and your purpose on doing it. Um, I think a lot of young girls, I know with my team, we struggle with why we're doing this and why we're doing that. Um, I know what fueled me was being told no. You telling me no? <laughs> okay, so that just, that just fuels the fire. Like find out your why and let that fuel you, fuel, fuel you on um, becoming a great player. Um, it, it's not, it doesn't take much to be a great player. It's, it's putting that extra work in. So putting that extra work in is you have to figure out your why. I like that. I like that. Big time shameless plug coming. I'm about to force it in right here. So I know a lot of your brand, Jasmine, Stay True, has to do a lot with what you just spoke about, confidence uh, and staying true to yourself. How does your brand uh, and, and what you've created behind that relate to basketball? Um, it's, it's, it's a confident, uh, credible brand. So uh, just being confident in, in whatever you're doing and credible is I'm, I'm putting a stamp on it, right? So um, be staying true to your foundation. So the foundation of stay true is um, faith, whatever you believe in, who you believe in. Uh, most people say, well, I don't believe in nobody. You have to believe in something. Um, I personally believe in God, but um, hey, that's on you, whatever you want to do. Um, and then your love, whatever you love, who you love. Um, and then life, like live life for the right reasons, the right way. So um, that's the background of Stay True. So, you know, you could um, position that into basketball, just, you know, why are you, why, it's just, it's just the why of everything. So faith in yourself, because you have to stay true and, and be confident in yourself. Uh, love what you do. Like love, love going out there, you know, 6 a.m., running, you know, um, putting up extra shots in. And then, you know, the life aspect is the return on your investment. Like, that's, that's all it is. You know, that's, that's what Stay True Brand is about. I like it. I like it. I like the shirt you got on. Where can I get a shirt? Hey, go to uh, Stay True. So S-T-A-Y-X, which is 10. Um, and then the number 10.com. I like it. I like it. Malik, close us out. Yeah, um, 
first of all, thank y'all all for joining us. Uh, definitely, definitely enjoyed it. Great conversation. Looking forward to, uh, to working with you more. Jazz, you can definitely count on me. I'm a merch guy. I'll definitely be tapping in uh, as far as that goes and, and supporting uh, Natalie, Cass. Looking super forward to this AAU season uh, and what we have ahead. And uh, again, I mean, just really just thank you for joining because I think this conversation with women about women is so important. Uh, it's something that I'm super, super, um, I I'm just locked in. I I'm locked in with women, obviously selfishly because I have two girls. Uh, but it's just something that I've always thought. I mean, and, and women have always been so impactful in my life. My mom, my grandmothers, aunts, et cetera, um, that, that I've had teachers. And I think it's important to, uh, to continue these conversations on all platforms uh, at all levels because it's where we are. It's the here and now. Um, I think it's only going to progress as far as women uh, being in leadership roles and talking about the WNBA a lot. I've always been a huge fan. Looking forward to see what can happen there. So uh, thank you, ladies. Any closing statements that, that you had? I know we plugged you, Jasmine, Natalie, uh, Cass. If y'all have anything that you want to plug, uh, now would definitely be the time. So I'll, I'll, I'll open up the floor. Uh, just thank you, guys. And I look forward to this upcoming season. Yeah, same. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. Of course. Uh, well, again, to our listeners, make sure you check us out on YouTube, uh, Always Open Podcast, Spotify subscribers. If you're just on the Apple Podcast, continue to join in. Click that subscribe button. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. I appreciate you guys having us on. Huge shout out to the Junior NBA for doing the Her Time to Play. That's something that's huge. Our community needs it, and we need to continue to spread awareness about just women in general. Uh, whether it's in the workplace, in sports, whatever it may be. Uh, you guys have a great day, and thanks for joining us on the Always Open Podcast. Look at me score like, mm, off of the fingertip. Uh, I'm at the tongue, I talk. When I shoot no clip. Always open, yeah. Gotta tune in, yeah. Always open, yeah. Gotta tune in, yeah. yeah.